Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows where we learned about scientific efforts to revive the woolly mammoth, the latest in military drone technology, and the mysterious Shroud of Turin. And you can listen to those programs and many more amazing Coast shows by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Let me tell you about our guest here, Dr. Penny Sartori. Worked as a nurse for 21 years, spent 17 of those years working in intensive care. In 2005, she was awarded a Ph.D. for her hospital research into near-death experiences. She's published a number of books, including The Wisdom of Near-Death Experiences, Her latest is a collaboration co-authored by Kelly Walsh called The Transformative Power of Near-Death Experiences. Dr. Sartori currently teaches a couple modules of the part-time degree in humanities at Swansea University entitled Science, Spirituality, and Health and Exploring the Mind and the Consciousness. Dr. Penny Sartori with us on Coast to Coast. Hello, Penny. Good morning to you. Hi, George. Good morning. Looking forward to this. Tell me a little bit about your nurse experience and how you made this transition. Well, I used to work as a nurse in the ICU, and I loved my job. And when I first started there, I thought it was fantastic, and I felt like I was really saving lives, and it it felt great. I loved the the buzz and the emergency situations. But it was um, working on a night shift when I was looking after a man who was clearly dying changed everything for me. Um, that night, this man was in extreme pain, and he knew he was dying, and he was connected to the ventilator, so he couldn't talk to me. But I can remember as I adjusted the bed to put the bed flat because I was going to wash him, this man nearly jumped out of bed in agony, and our eyes connected at that point, and I felt like I'd swapped places with him, and I could feel everything that he was going through, and he kept mouthing to me, let me die, let me die in peace. And that had a profound effect on me because it made me think, what happens when we die? You know, this man is clearly dying and we're doing all that we can to to keep him alive. Now, when I went home from work that day, I couldn't sleep because this man was on my mind. It really did upset me. So I called back into the intensive care unit and I asked the nurse what had happened to this man, how he was doing. And she said he actually died two hours after I'd left my shift that day. Oh. So that sort of set me off on a quest, really, to understand death more. And I started reading about death, and that's when I came across near-death experiences. And, you know, they they really did grab my attention because these people were saying that death is nothing to be afraid of and that it's a very peaceful and pleasant experience. But I think because my training, training as a nurse was very scientific, I was still a little bit skeptical about this. But the more I read about these experiences, the more curious I became. And I thought, well, I'm just working in that perfect place where I can undertake my own research study and I can learn about this in more depth. And so that's what I did. I I did a a research um, project there and it took five years to interview the patients and gather all of the data. And it took a a further three years to analyse that data and to write it up and make sense of it. And it took about another five years to kind of recover and get over that because um, it was a lot of intense work, you know. You've witnessed many deaths, have you not? Yes, I have. I've probably over the years, thousands of deaths, really. Oh, jeez. 
Would you say that they're all similar or are they different? They can be different. It depends really on the context in which they are they occur. So it could be that some deaths take place just on the ward where it's an expected death. So the patient is at the end of their life and having palliative treatment. And very often in those sorts of circumstances, what you tend to see is that some patients appear to be communicating with someone that we can't see. Now that has happened in my own family and I can remember nursing my grandfather at home and this is before I undertook my research. And in the days before my grandfather died, he was in the bedroom and he would point to the doorway and he'd say, look who's there in the doorway. Well, when I turned around, there was no one there at all. But because I hadn't had an interest in these experiences, I was unaware of them really. And so I didn't question him further and I just kind of ignored it. But when my nursing career began and I started looking after patients who were dying, this was a very common theme. Um, Those who were dying used to point ahead or they would communicate with people I couldn't see. And very often they would gesture towards them and they they would smile and sometimes they would open out their arms as if welcoming them into an embrace. And so when these visions started to happen, the patients usually died within about a week of those visions. Wow. That fast. Yes, yes. Now, you undertook a long-term study of near-death experiences in the United yeah. Kingdom. It may have been the first one, right? In, uh, well, in the, U- in the United Kingdom, yes. It was a smaller one undertaken by Do- Dr. Sampania. His was over a year, but right. mine lasted for see. five years. Five years. That's a long time for a study. Yes, yes, it was. And uh, it was very intense because I I wasn't allowed any kind of study leave from my work. So I had to do this alongside my nursing role. So um, what I would do is I would go in early before my shift began so I could go and have a chat with patients. And then sometimes I'd have to stay behind my uh, after my shift had finished so I could follow up with the patients. And sometimes I would come in on my days off so that I didn't miss any patients who were discharged from the unit. So um, I did that uh, for five years, and I got a lot of interesting data from that as well, you know. How did you structure the study, Penny? Well, basically what I did for the first year, I wanted to interview every single person who survived their admission to the intensive care unit. So I approached their bed area, when they were recovered and when they were not confused and when they were kind of in a position to to talk to me. And because I worked as a nurse in the intensive care unit, that was really quite an easy thing to do because they recognized me as being a nurse. And so what I would do is simply say to them, while you were unconscious, did you have any memories at all? Now, most patients didn't remember anything at all, but there were a few people who would say, oh, um, why do you ask? And I'd just say, I'm very interested in people's memories. And then once they realized I was interested in this, a few people would start to open up to me and say, well, I, I had this experience. I'm not sure whether it was a dream or something more, but this happened to me. And some people would describe like an out-of-body experience where they would leave the body and look down on themselves from above. And some people described a, a more intricate or elaborate experience of actually going into another realm where they went towards the light and met deceased relatives. Now, what I found after the first year was that because
because not all of these patients had come close to death. Some of them were just there for monitoring after uh, routine operations. What I found is I was spending a lot of time in the hospital, in fact, more time in the hospital than I was at home. So I decided to modify my research. So after the, for the following four years, I interviewed only those patients who had undergone a, a cardiac arrest. And what I found is that the sample was a lot smaller. In fact, there were 39 patients in the cardiac arrest group. Out of those 39 patients, seven of them reported a near-death experience. That's huge. Yes, it is. It's, that's uh, 18%. So, you know, there's quite a lot of patients who do have these experiences. And the thing is, you know, a lot of patients would never talk about these experiences had I not approached their bedside. In fact, during the whole of the five years of my data collection, I came across 15 patients who'd had a near-death experience. Do they even and know that they had one? No, that's the thing. They didn't realize what it was. They didn't understand it at all. They didn't know how to make sense of it. So the fact then that I interviewed them and then they expressed what they had experienced, I was then able to say to them, well, I was able to validate it for them. And I'd say, well, actually, what you've experienced is quite common and it's called a near-death experience and these sorts of things happen. And I was also able to kind of tell them about the things that might happen in the future as a result of an after effect of these experiences. So I think that benefited the patients because all of a sudden they were able to start integrating and understanding their experience as well. Because that is a really difficult thing for people to do. If they have a near-death experience and no one explains it to them, sometimes it can lead to isolation. You know, a lot of people are afraid to talk about these experiences because they're not sure how people are going to receive them. So, you know, a lot of people fear that if they mention it, they think that they're going crazy or that they'll be laughed at. So I think it's really important that people are aware of near-death experiences so people who have them can be supported as they're recovering. Penny, most people, when they have had these experiences, have always said that they see a light at like the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Do you find that there are similarities with people with NDEs? Yes, there are. They all follow this particular pattern. So, and these um, components that are experienced, they don't occur in any particular order. So, for example, it might start with having an out-of-body experience where they view the emergency situation from above, and then they may travel through a period of darkness or some people would call this a tunnel, others would just say perhaps a dark path, and they travel towards this bright light. And that bright light, although it's bright, it doesn't hurt their eyes, and sometimes they feel as if they're magnetically drawn towards this light. Then once they get into the light, they find themselves in a beautiful realm, which could be a, a garden with very vividly coloured flowers and lush green grass, Sometimes there's a, a stream in the background. And then sometimes they'll meet deceased relatives or friends. And these relatives or friends look radiant. They look younger than what they did when they died. And they look very happy. And sometimes there may even be a religious figure. And that is usually associated with the person's culture. So, for example, people in the West are more likely to see images of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. 
whereas um, in India, for example, they may see Yama, the god of the dead. And another really important aspect of the near-death experience is the life review, because this really does affect the person's life when they come back to life afterwards. During the life review, they experience or relive their life in great detail. And very often... Is it like seeing a movie of their life? Yes. Now, some people do describe it as looking at, at a movie. Other people describe it as being panoramic in that every different aspect of their life is played around them, all around them in succession or simultaneously. It's all going on at the same time, but they are able to understand it all at once. It's really uh, an unusual phenomenon, really. But uh, very often, if they've interacted with people and they've been unpleasant to someone or they've been violent towards someone, they can often feel what the impact of their actions from that other person's perspective. So then when they return to life, it gives, gives them a whole different view on how they interact with people. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.